Does this include a gratuity? Yes, sir. Call me by my dream name. And she tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. Mommy. Mommy, why does that girl keep telling me I shouldn't go there? I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. All right, this week our main review is of Philip Ridley's feature-length directorial debut, The Reflecting Skin, which has a pretty strong cult following that seems to uh, to keep growing. And we're also going to be talking about what we've, what we've been watching recently. And we'll have our usual segments as well no, no big surprises in, unless you guys have any surprises do you guys have any surprises in store i think there's enough surprises in this film <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah none for none for me <laughs> okay good good all right well let's move on to what we've been watching and let's start with max yeah so uh the other week i i had watched the new matrix movie resurrections and um was talking to my wife Jenny about it, and we both realized that we hadn't seen the original trilogy. I hadn't seen it in a long time, um, probably since it, since it had come out, and she had never seen it. So we went through, we uh, we banged through the the three uh, original Matrix movies pretty quickly here this past week, and, and I was pretty light on Resurrections prior to watching the first three movies, but after watching the first three. It's pretty rough. I, I understand the hate for the fourth one. It's, it's kind of a mess. But those are my, my big three. The other one that I watched uh, was one of Hunter's favorites, um, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm, I saw that. Yeah. That was wow. a spur of the moment. <laughs> yeah, I needed some comfort food. I don't know. There's no particular reason why. But I had watched Force Awakens uh, not too long ago. And so wanted to, um, I don't know if we're going to finish it, but at least watch the first two movies of the new trilogy again. So kind of some, some controversial uh, watches for the week, but I still love them. Last Jedi is still a five star for me. Nothing, nothing can change my mind. Mm, wow. Yeah. Well, Max, that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, I think you you gave it a two. No, you gave it a three. Three, three. But he's ready to bring it down. But this was back in 2018. This was four years ago. So yeah, I was much nicer uh, back then. We and the and just the Star Wars universe. I just, I'm just done. I can't. I can't take it anymore. There's at least seven or eight. No, well, there's a, at least seven films I probably haven't seen. I'm not even sure I ever saw Return of the Jedi. I mean, I know what an Ewok is, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I know I've seen the first one. I know I've seen Jar Jar. I know I've seen Empire. I've seen the one where Yoda's fighting and he's like spinning around. 
it's at the middle of the oh, yeah. second trilogy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think I've seen any of the others. I would Dang. like to see The Last Jedi because I do like um, that director. but I, And I also want to see why Hunter hates it so much. But that's just so much <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't recommend it. it. I don't know that it's worth it. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, now, Return of the Jedi on a rewatch, I think, is pretty bad. It's easily my least favorite of the original trilogy. Empire Strikes Back, I, I, I mean, I don't think I'll watch it again. I mean, well, I don't know. I might live a long time. I might watch it again, but... I, I think it would easily be my favorite still, but at this point, I, I'd actually rather watch a Star Trek movie, mm. especially the original uh, six movies, like with Shatner and uh, and all those fellas. Nimoy, yeah. I mean, Star Trek Four is a genuinely hilarious comedy, <laughs> and I think Six is awesome. Um, I really like that movie. I don't think I've seen any of those. Oh, I I think that they're pretty fun. I I, I enjoy them. A couple of them, three is pretty bad, and five is considered to be the worst. I might like it a little more than three, but but yeah, two, four, and six. um, Yeah, the even numbers. Stick to those. They're pretty fun. Isn't there one where they're on Earth? Yeah, that's four. Okay, yeah, mm. four is the one I'm like, I think the most familiar with as far as like visualizing it in my head, but I don't think I've seen any of them. Oh, it's a laugh riot. It's a funny one. I, I could use a laugh riot as half of these <laughs> movies I've watched this week. <laughs> All right, and John, what uh, what have you been watching? Um, Well, I have been having a really good year so far with not too many duds, just one dud. Um, I keep trying, this is, this is not what I watched this week, but I keep trying Ben Wheatley films because I really liked his one film of his, and since then they've been very uh, underwhelming. But uh, <clears throat> this week, I did watch All About Eve for the first time, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I've never found a character that was, um, quote, modest, so annoying uh and uh this is this is uh, i guess it's false modesty from this from this eve character who's very it's a very interesting film all all around but she's just constantly being this overly nice fake modest oh i'm not good kind of person and it's just so annoying and i can see why everyone finds it annoying in the in the film uh i had never seen a bet betty davis movie and she is so good i love watching her she's hilarious um i guess this is kind of like a typical sour um snarky role that she would play but i really enjoyed her performance and uh i enjoyed it overall um it's in the top it's in the top 1k nice and uh so that was good i think i watched it based on um i saw max really liked it and picked it up recently on um, Blu-ray, I think, or something. Right? I did. Yeah, I grabbed yeah. the I grabbed the Criterion uh, Blu-ray. So that was that was that was definitely a fun time, and 
something that I had been thinking about watching and just had never gotten around to it. Um, after that, I went a little downhill. Um, I sometimes when I'm talking to someone, um, like pre date, pre first date, I'll ask them to pick a movie for me to watch. And, um, this girl did, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called dark ride from 2006 directed by Craig Singer. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, that the fun house movie where it's, um, something bad's happening inside of a carnival haunted house ride. I've actually seen some horror podcast reviewers really enjoyed it, but I thought it was pretty bad. Um, just something where a lot of details are just, I don't know. I've had, I've, I've watched a lot of low budget stuff where I don't notice a lot of mistakes, but here there's just like a lot of, um, what would you call it? Like you go one scene, it's three o'clock in the morning on the clock. And then like five seconds later, it's 12. And then five seconds later, it's one fifteen. So a lot of continuity issues. It's a pretty low budget. The biggest star is Jamie, uh, Jamie Lynn Siegler from the Sopranos meadow from the Sopranos. She's the final girl. And there's a kid from the sandlot who's actually pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say it was boring. It was like, I could, it was watchable, but just one of the horror films where the performances are pretty lacking. The characters are not particularly likable. And I don't know, mid two thousands lower end horror doesn't really do it for me. So that was a pretty low two out of five, which is, you know, pretty harsh for me. No heart on that. And then the only other film I've watched this week, I watched um, Joe Wright's 2012 uh, version of Anna Karenina. Um, of course, with uh, Kira Knightley. This film, it didn't really work for me, but it's really done in an interesting way. Um, it's very stylized. It's almost combining. It's almost combining live action with a play, and there's some scenes, especially early on, where it has that Birdman, so many moving parts at once, kind of technique, and that's interesting. But it just doesn't. I think it's. I think there's some technical achievement there, but it just didn't really work for me. I honestly just didn't really like the Anna Karenina character very much so that kind of left me a little just not very likable oddly enough i took a break from watching it to watch a tv show i was interested in and the, the five seconds into the tv show a woman's on a subway reading anna karenina and the guy next to her goes i'll get i'll, I'll save you 400 pages and then she spoiled he spoils the ending which i didn't know what the ending was so that was a weird coincidence um <laughs> Huh. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a huge, I guess I'm not a huge period piece person. Like, I'm not against them, but I don't really look for them or like favor them. So, it's just kind of middle of the road for me. I'd give it three out of five. I do think it's interesting. I do think it looks really good. A couple of the characters are pretty likable, but overall, I just didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, and that's kind of all I watched this week. So thank God for Bay Davis. Uh, do you guys have like any um, 
favorite Betty Davis roles that I should look out for? Now hmm. Voyager is really good. What's it called? Now Voyager. Okay. Isn't that, is that, that's Betty Davis, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Let me see. I haven't watched any of her movies in quite a while. I'm going to look up to see what I've seen in the letterbox era. You did give um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane three stars. Oh, oh, I did? Yeah. Mm, I was way more generous back then, so it's, that's probably more of a two. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a reverse weighted scale, yeah. Oh, oh finally. Hold on, Letterbox is uh, struggling here. Here we go. You know, I gave so many fives at one point in my life, and like all of them now feel like four and a halves or fours. So I definitely... I don't know. But then I feel like I don't give enough fives. So it's it's tough. I don't, I don't know why I'm so reticent to give fives out. Oh, The Letter. That movie, I think, is watchable. I wouldn't say it's great. I think she's good in it. It is William, William uh, Wyler. And William Wyler is a pretty good director. Yeah. But yeah, they're not, there aren't too many B- Betty Davis movies that I'm a big fan of. I'm a bigger uh, Joan Crawford fan. Okay. Mm. It's something where like she's usually good, but maybe the, the role she picks or the film she picks don't necessarily knock it out of the park kind of situation. But I can see yeah. like, certain actors, they just, whatever roles they pick, they just don't really fit your favorite styles of films, I guess. I don't know how that, sometimes that just happens out that way. Now, I do remember liking, I haven't seen this in the Letterboxd era, so it's. Uh, it's hard to say what your true feelings are about it, but I remember liking The Petrified Forest, which is an early Humphrey Bogart movie, and I, I think she's probably the star. Maybe Leslie Howard's in it, too. It's been a long time, but I remember liking that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. I, I really I really liked her, and I want to see uh, more of her, mm-hmm. even if the films aren't that great, because she's just really entertaining uh, just every every time she was on screen, uh, she was the one I was focused on for sure. Mm-hmm. Even when Mar- is it Marilyn Monroe in All About Eve? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Her acting acting's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I guess she's supposed to not be. Even like her role is supposed to not be a good actress either. But it's just like, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> she's so young though. It, it is cool to see her on screen. I don't know. It's always interesting to see her on screen, but yeah, it's a little um, stiff. All right. Well, I only have one that I'm going to talk about. It's um, Andre Zalowski's Mad Love. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Possession, which is a you know, Zalowski movie. But for some reason, I haven't watched any of his other movies until um, Mad Love, which I saw it was uh, streaming on, on movies, so I just decided to check it out. It's a really wild movie. <laughs> it's uh it is extremely fast-paced. The performances are huge. I mean there's lots of yelling and hysterical laughter. And there's very few like still or quiet moments. Like, I mean the movie is And I wasn't expecting this from Zalowski, but I I would say it's kind of cartoonish. Um even in like the costuming and the production design. But the direction and the camera work are are amazing, and I did think that 
a lot of the movie was pretty amazing, but I kind of wish that there were some moments that took place in uh, in reality because it all feels so so crazy almost for the entire running time. I was pretty sucked in, but there were some times where some of the performances started to get to me because they were just always at 11, like, you know, the entire time. That sounds like a lot, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of an exhausting movie. Now, one thing that it kind of did is, like, Isabella Johnny's performance in Possession is maybe my favorite performance of all time. But seeing another movie by Zalowski kind of makes her performance less impressive because he's obviously found a way to bring actors to this state of madness. Like he, you know, he can do, it seems like he can do that with every actor he works with, at least in this movie, like all the characters are pretty crazy. I mean, I still think like Isabella Johnny in possession is, you know, probably above this, but it did make her performance a little less special. But uh, but yeah, overall it's a it's pretty exhausting. But I I thought I I, enjoy, I did enjoy it uh, overall though. Nice. Yeah, it's on my it's on my watch list. It looked interesting. I saw the movie uh, that it was on there too. Uh, I get like the emails of what they're showing, and uh, yeah, I'd be interested in checking it out. Maybe when I need to uh, energize my day. <laughs> or yeah, it's it's a wild movie for sure. I. I gave it a four. I mean, there's stuff about it that I absolutely loved. I and and for the most part, I really did love the energy. But how long? Yeah, is it? Uh, I don't think it's long. Maybe an hour and fifty minutes, or an hour and forty-five minutes. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah, wild. it's wild when um when a, a film with that much energy goes longer than ninety minutes. It's like, how do you sustain that? But I guess I guess he. He has a way. Possession. Yeah. I've only seen half of Possession. I watched it. I got, um, I was really enjoying it, but it was, uh, I think I was just like somewhere where I couldn't keep watching something so crazy. So I, I stopped it. Um, I think people were freaked out about the sounds they were hearing, <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was so, so intense and good and scary and creepy and wild and whatever. So I, I need, I need to go back to, it. I just want to be like in the perfect mood to, not waste it because it is really something so yeah possession's amazing it was hard for me to find it streaming for a while so that was probably also a reason i haven't i haven't gone back to it but i was definitely very very interested it's it's haunting for sure and her performance that the first half was just it's just what yeah it's it's uh, yeah very I, noteworthy yeah i have the uh the 4k and it's from a french company and the 4K looks great, but you can't turn off the English subtitles. Oh, yeah. Dang. Which is kind of a bummer, but I mean, it's, you know, it's not the worst. All right. But yeah, that's all I've got for my uh, recently watched. Are you guys ready to move into the review? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm ready. All right. All right, so The Reflecting Skin is written and directed by Philip Ridley. Uh, this is his feature debut. And he had directed a couple shorts before he made this. And he's only made three 
uh, feature-length films, but he's he's also a novelist, a playwright, a poet, a photographer, and he's written some radio dramas. So, oh wow, this guy is all yeah. over the place. I know. I don't like these kinds of people. Stick to something <laughs> that works and and do it well. <laughs> oh, and he's a songwriter as well as a and, and the composer of the Reflecting Skin score. I think it's Nick Bacot. I don't know how you would say that. It has like an accent mark over the A. They had a, uh, I don't know if it was a band, but they had like a musical group called Dream Skin Cradle. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that? That's pretty brutal. Yeah, Dream Skin. Dream Skin Cradle. I mean, I think a, a, a good band name is really hard to find, but... That's a, just a terrible one, yeah. <laughs> it does bring up some themes from this particular movie, even. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you have like a one-track mind. <laughs> like cradling dream skin, yeah. <laughs> Oof. But, uh, but yeah, the movie was shot by Dick Pope, and he, he shoots a lot of Mike Lee movies. And it did, win, it did win quite a few awards at film festivals and was pretty well-received. And here's the uh, synopsis from from Letterboxd. A young boy tries to cope with rural life circa 1950s, and his fantasies become a way to interpret events. After his father tells him stories of vampires, he becomes convinced that the widow up the road is a vampire and tries to find ways of discouraging his brother from seeing her. All right, guys. Well, this is a pretty interesting movie. This was a first-time watch for me and a first-time watch for each of you as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would have remembered this one. <laughs> <laughs> now, usually I kind of assign who goes first, but does does one of you want to go first? I want to hear Max's take on this. <laughs> <laughs> we can, yeah, we can just jump in. I mean, I, I honestly have no idea how either of you are going to feel about this overall. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Mm. Yeah, it's got probably <laughs> one of the most, like, memorable opening scenes um that i in uh, in a while in terms of movies that i've watched with that poor frog and just an uncertainty of like what's going to happen because it's 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 pretty and i guess i guess the opening scene kind of like sets the tone for the entire movie of you know it's it's primarily kids and you have kids doing kid things, but then there's just like this, like kind of horrific, like you've got to take it in of like what? Wait, what? What did they just do? And so, I mean, I guess we'll just spoil this thing. But they, <laughs> you know, capture a, a rather large bullfrog, and and if I understand correctly, they 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 inflate it with you know sticking a reed up its uh, anus. And blow it up to a pretty gross size, and then when the other main character, the, the 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 aforementioned widow, goes to kind of inspect it, they the main character, the, the boy, shoots it with a, a slingshot, which then causes it to explode and splatter blood all over the uh, the poor widow's face and clothes and everything else. And I, that was like just a, like such an like attention grabbing scene that it is effective. Of like, what am I going to watch? So that's the opening, and then from there, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> the 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 best way to jump into this thing, <laughs> because again, like you know, the the main character 
he doesn't ever like lose his innocence per se, but he also never actually kind of like holds on to it. And then there's a couple scenes that you know I, we can we can jump into. You know, I'll let someone else jump into those later. But you know, whether you know his you know, older brother at one point gives him, gives him some pictures and like the way that he rearranges them um, is is pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, overall, I I think I mentioned this to Hunter earlier when we were talking about this. It's like, it's one of the most interesting stories I think that I've watched in a while. Um, the acting kind of lost me, especially kind of towards the end of the movie. And I mean, it's only an hour and a half, which is a, a great run length, a run time. But again, I think whenever you've got kid actors, you're always going to run into that that difficulty of, um, striking that balance, but yeah, I mean, lots of memorable scenes. Um, you know, fairly memorable characters. Uh, you, you've got a young, young or younger Vigo Mortensen here. Um, I liked his character too, and 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 kind of the reveal because uh, all you, all that you know in the beginning is that he's you know off 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 at war, and uh, when he re-enters the picture, and you understand. Uh, what he was involved with uh, in World War II, um, I think it's pretty interesting, and yeah, overall, you know, overall, like, like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a interesting watch. I, I think that you know, if you've got Canopy, it's it's well worth your time. But those are some initial thoughts. Nice, and uh, John, what what are your initial thoughts? Well. Um... I hate anything that has uh, any kind of um, animals being harmed, but that makes me feel bad because I don't have any issues with people being harmed. So <laughs> that's probably a, a me issue. Uh, I did think it was cool how the blood splattered after. So I was like, I hate this happening. I know bad things are going to happen with these kids holding this frog. Once they like all like gathered around it, I'm like, this can't turn out well. Um, but the blood did look cool. And then they play this like, lighthearted music of like the kid the main kid running back to his house like it's all like yeah you know joy and i said play all the lighthearted music you want this kid's a real piece of shit (laughs) 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 you're not gonna fool me and i I don't think he like um the main kid is necessarily that but like at that point i was not a fan Uh, and the other kids are (sighs) it's weird it's weird i guess i guess these kids are being killed off by that group in the in the cool black car those four guys is that what you guys is that the impression you guys got those are the people killing all the kids in the in the town mm-hmm. yeah that's what that's what i think especially the, the interaction when the, the car stops and gets the gas and the guy like kind of like touches the kid's cheek yeah like, yeah Although I will say that car had a pretty badass place to put the gas in the freaking taillight. I've never seen that before. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. My one of my biggest issues with this film is the when Vigo comes back and he falls in love with Dolphin. What kind of a name is that? I I don't really see why. What I don't really see chemistry there. It just maybe too sad people and there's no one else around no other options around other than that doesn't really go into what like you see him come over and they like 
make out or whatever they're doing while the kid watches and they have the initial meeting um by the father's grave site but there's no real you don't really see anything that kind of ties them together other than that it's just like this kind of you just have to assume that they are in love with each other i just i just didn't really buy it for whatever reason other than the part of them being in the middle of nowhere and and maybe being the only ones their age i don't know it is not it is not lighthearted maybe in any way no matter what the musical choices are it's there's some angry people in this town the um actually the dad who before he before he takes an interesting way of taking himself out of the equation uh before that he what, actually, what, uh, oh man that was why I, I as soon as he went to the well i don't should i give it away i guess oh yeah yeah as soon as he starts walking to the gas pump i'm like oh boy this is gonna be uh it's gonna he's gonna fill her up and then <laughs> i fire it up and then uh so long um but i like that though. i i like that scene and like how they how it played out and like that little ending flash i don't know that was no no i, I thought that was shot too i'm drinking the gasoline that wasn't that was insane yeah, it's pretty wild. That's, a, you know, one of those things you don't see very often. And something like that, like the, the little tension of not being able to light the match. It's just like that that little extra weight they're making you, like putting you through, that was pretty effective. Um, and it lights right after he says the kid's name, right? Yeah. I was yeah, it's like right set. The, the, kid, yeah. the kid finally says something. He's just watching all of this happen and not, not interrupting until... Till he, and then he finally does, and then, boom, ignition. Um, Which happens the, a few times, though. The kid the, just kind of watching before it was yeah. like, bad happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the deal with the baby? <laughs> oh. I... Uh, my only answer, my best answer is, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> That's why I thought initially maybe it was a book and there's like stuff edited out but this was um this um original screenplay so it's not that i don't understand why it it's not a real baby for those of you who haven't seen the film it's like some kind of we're gonna call it a sculpture it kind of looks like the baby in the photo but i don't because it doesn't when they first find it like it's got like maggots or something yeah like yeah, crawling yeah. in its mouth yeah and I, so I don't know if it, if it was just bad, like movie makeup, because like the sheriff has that you know that hand. Um, that hand is wild. I forgot about that in the uh, metal eye patch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the colander. The colander's yeah. <laughs> eye patch. I I couldn't figure that out if it was just if it, if it was supposed to be a real baby, and that's for like but again like the like hunter like in the synopsis like you mentioned. Like the kids' use of fantasies, that's what kind of got like a little trippy in this one. Is like, is this factual? Is is this actually happening, or is it just like a fantasy? I think the most interesting thing about this film for me was the take on what a ch- like circumstantial evidence that a child can take from talking to his dad and sneaking into the widow's house and what he sees there, and just just like stuff that kids talk about and extrapolating that into the widow being a vampire. And that was the most interesting part for me. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty effective. 
I, I actually, for the most part, like the widow's performance. I think she's pretty interesting. Um, definitely weird, pretty dark, like encouraging the kid to put firecrackers on cats and see how that yeah. goes. It's pretty wild. The ending. If, the, if, that, if that film had come out today, I could see that ending being like a meme or something that is just like made fun of by it's just like I didn't like laugh or anything, but it's I could just see it. It's just so over the top. Mm-hmm. The screaming. I could just I don't know. It's it's really hard to sell it to me. I didn't I, I didn't think it was inter- I didn't think it was funny. I, I see what they're trying to do. I just like I don't know. I think it's I don't it's a little hard. It's it's tough to put the kid even in that position to try and pull that off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also weird because you never see the the child emote really at any other point in the movie, do you? Maybe that maybe that that's a good point. Maybe that makes it more maybe he's finally like just like letting go of everything he's been holding it all in. That that might actually justify the end a little bit more for me. Uh, the police <laughs> the short time with Aaron screen, pretty terrible. The worst quote being from, the, I think, the sheriff, or was it the sh- deputy? He says, it's a short leap from kissing to killing. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that uh, in the uh, rural sheriff handbook? Because that is just... Thanks. Um, <laughs> I wonder if this, if this director's other two films, I don't know if you know Hunter, if they're like as weird as this one, it kind of feels like it's got like a lesser a little bit of Twin Peaks vibe to it uh, in some ways with the 50s and just weird things happening but it just doesn't it just doesn't resonate as well for me as as those as the Twin Peaks show and film do Um, but definitely interesting definitely I was not bored at any point Um, it's definitely an experience that is unlike most things I've seen Kind of ever, mm. yeah. It'd be interesting to see if the, what what the director might say about what they were trying to express because some of these things like like the baby and um, I don't know, just, just just some themes in there that might be very personal to the director that we might not be getting the full interpretation of from lack of information. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tough movie. I overall, I I thought it was okay. I it, it's definitely way more interesting than it is like engaging. I I know Philip Ridley. He he's called. He said that this is like Blue Velvet with kids. So Lynch is definitely an influence, and there are some Lynchian elements. I mean, like John the sheriff character is like. Right out of a Lynch movie, like he would make sense in something like, like Wild at Heart, or Twin Peaks, and there is some voyeurism. I mean, there's the kid, you know, spying on the or the I guess two kids spying on the woman, and of course, you know, there's in Blue Velvet, there's Jeffrey Beaumont spying on you know the woman from the from the closet. Yeah, but <clears throat> I think where something like Blue Velvet really works and this didn't work for me, is I think the choice to have the child 
like it's already lost its innocence like going in to the movie basically Mm. i think like in blue velvet the character of jeffrey beaumont is so wholesome and innocent yeah and then when he discovers this darker world it's so effective but here seth like the, the child he feels like he's in control and he's like the leader of his group of friends and he's not affected by anything and it's just so hard to care about him even though you see like his home life is pretty terrible like his mom is like borderline abusive like i don't know what was up with like the water torture that was that was insane yeah and drink it all picks all night all night (laughs) (laughs) and there's a couple moments where I think his dad offers him water and he turns it down each time. I do enjoy how the dad keeps saying, if you don't, if you don't drink water, you turn to dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, there's a scene in like talking about the character's innocence again. I like some of the scenes with Dolphin and Seth. I think that they're pretty effective, but there's a scene towards the end where Dolphin is telling Seth, all of these terrible things about aging. Mm-hmm. And when Seth doesn't react at all, she just says that innocence can be hell. And I was just like, I don't think it's innocence that's inspiring his reaction. I think that he's just kind of like a psychotic kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like to John's point too, like he was saying, like, you know, cause this kid, like at, at this point, yeah, at that point in the movie, like he's seen his dad, you know, self-immolate, you know, by gasoline. And then his two, his two friends, like, I don't know. He hasn't even like, like he wasn't, he didn't just like just hear that they had been killed. Like he saw the bodies. Um, cause he, he finds the one in yeah. like their like well or something. Right. Yeah. And then the second one, you know, the, the, his mom, the, the, the second kid's mom is like accusing him of, of, of murdering or knowing what you know what had happened, and then they bring the body out wrapped in that flag. Um, it's like all three of those are <laughs> pretty pretty traumatic things. Oh no, but those those three things happen, but he still isn't like a sympathetic character, like because of the way that I, I don't know if it's just the way he was written or the way that the kid's just acting. Like it, I don't know. Yeah, and I do. I kind of want to defend the choice to portray the character this way because I do think it's bold. And I mean, no one can accuse Philip Ridley of trying to make a uh, a mainstream Hollywood movie with this. That's for sure. <laughs> I think that you could, I, I actually, I mean, I joke about, you know, mainstream Hollywood, but I actually think a mainstream version of this could be way more interesting if, like if the child were more, sympathetic and if there was a real vampire but no one believes him this would feel like to me i mean max you and i talked about this but it would feel like a stephen king story where like the child is innocent and you feel fear for him and none of the adults believe him and the threat is a real threat yeah now in this of course there is a real threat with the group of guys you know that drive around in that black car i actually would have liked to have seen seth find 
the guy's like in the act of killing one of his friends. Not that I would have loved to have seen it. <laughs> that sounds weird, but um, <laughs> I think that that could have added some tension. It would have been, I don't know. I, I, I still think that it would have been nice to see Seth react to something or at least have some emotion, like have an emotional reaction to something. It's kind of frustrating to watch a character like this because, yeah, you just, you don't feel for him because he doesn't feel anything. And in some character studies, that kind of character could be interesting, but maybe with a child, it's just harder to pull off. I don't know, but I, I did enjoy some of the scenes with Viggo Mortensen, actually. I kind of liked the relationship with him and Dolphin. Like, I... I felt like, you know, they were kind of bonded over this depression that they had. And they seem to be, even though they're kind of strange characters, they seem to be more in a real world than everyone else. Because everyone else is kind of in a world that they're, they've they created. Like there's something kind of artificial about it. But yeah, I don't know. It's It's a really weird movie. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would want it to be like an ev- evil kid horror movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things about the movie, but it just didn't, it just didn't grab me. And, and I do think part of it is with the performances, like the, the, the mother, I don't know if it was the writing or the performance, but, uh, Seth's mother, like kind of drove me nuts. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's a really, (laughs) it's just a weird movie. It, it, It just didn't add up to a whole lot. But on on paper, I thought this would be right up my alley. Like I had heard about it, and I mean, there's people I, that a lot of people I follow on Letterboxd that give it four and a half or five stars and think it's amazing. But it just never really, never really grabbed me. Even though it held my interest, and I think there's good things about it, but yeah, just not, just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I didn't love the um, the dad of one of the kids either. The guy with the hat and mustache. He gets drunk towards the end. Oh, now there is one funny line <laughs> with that guy where the guy is telling Vigo Mortensen's character that... Does he tell him he has impure thoughts or something like that? Oh, yeah, about he's, the goat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what, I can't remember what Vigo says. He says something like... Uh, I think I I have a note of it somewhere, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of oh oh yeah. He says that he's being punished for his wicked thoughts, and he tells Vigo that that he dreamt that he slept with a goat and he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Vigo says that, that he says like oh you could do worse than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was, that was, now uh, funny. I don't know if this is a reason that Viggo Mortensen's character is drawn to Dolphin, because I do agree, like, they're hitting it off is weird. It'd be one thing to to just bond over the kind of depression that they share, but having a romance does feel a little bit odd. But now the character's name is Dolphin. Right. Dolphin Blue, yeah. Dolphin Blue. And... She has kind of, I mean, she has a harpoon and 
there's other kind of like nautical or boat <clears throat> um, imagery in her house, right? Fish, they said too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Know something's going on with water here. And so, and they're obviously like in a dry, I and mean, it's not a desert, it's just like a, a really, something like, yeah, dry plains. Yeah, the Midwest, yeah. yeah. So maybe that's, I mean, there's maybe some weird, you know, symbolic reason why he's drawn to her. I mean, that might be a stretch. I have no idea. I, I want, we don't ever find out why her husband killed himself, right? Mm-hmm. No, he hung himself, I think she says. I, I don't remember her She's saying like, we were happy why. for a week, and then, like, she found him in the, in the yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but is Vega more, is his character aware that he's like you know dying from radiation poisoning or is he's just kind of these things are happening but he isn't sure why? I don't think he's aware that he's dying of that specifically. But just there's these things that are happening, like because he he makes he no, he notes about his belt, you know, you know cinching his belt two more sizes down and and losing his hair, yeah. I didn't but, figure that out until just now. <laughs> it did not click for me somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that makes so much sense. And, like, it's not the movie's fault. That's my fault. I think I was just so um, wondering if there was some kind of weird vampire angle that I was still attributing it to that. But, yeah, that makes, yeah, that's that's actually really interesting, too. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't catch that. I think, I guess because he doesn't, I don't, I don't know. But it, yeah, it goes to your point of like, but Seth's character, the young kid, like these things are happening to Viggo Mortensen's character, his brother, because of radiation poisoning, because he worked on the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. But Seth, you know, the, the kid thinks it's you know because Dolphin is a vampire and is like sucking um, Viggo Mortensen's like youthfulness away, and so it plays yeah. into that whole yeah, like like this is like evidence. When you know, in reality, it's, it's you know, this is what's going on. Yeah, it's all very interesting. I just, uh, I just wanted to be riveted. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it it, it it introduces a lot of things that doesn't it, it doesn't quite like finish the thought on those things though. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to uh, to say about it. Do you? Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's grim. It's grim. It's grim. It's definitely uh, bleak. Bleak so of the week you to pick it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you would have recommended it. It's. I like that. Um, when we do things that we haven't seen, because it could just. We could all hate it. We could all love it. There's no guarantee of any of us really liking it because we're just all going in kind of blind. Even when you have other people that have enjoyed things, people's taste is so different that one person's five is another person's two. And just based on maybe your own experiences and what you're looking for. And I don't know. I I think I I could see a similar movie to this, but executed differently and enjoyed a lot more. Um, but it, it was interesting. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. that that's that's anything's better than boring, where like the time is just like, you're out constantly 
checking the runtime and it's only been five minutes and it feels like 40. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's just it's just a strange film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I had a good line, too, towards the end um, where Viggo Mortensen says, why don't you go play with your friends? And Seth he says, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was that was that was noteworthy to me. Of like, so this is like I guess that the answer to that question of like this is not fantasy. Like these these other two kids actually did die. Mm-hmm. But the quote by the widow at towards the end about getting old, it is some of the darkest dialogue in there. It was it was really bringing me down. <laughs> right. I gotta say. But she, but what does she say though? She said like, should, she, like if you have someone there. That loves you, like essentially, it's worth it, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I. But again, you're like locked into what she's gonna say. You know, you're 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 like you're listening to this whole little monologue, um, which is I don't know. It's just it, it. Maybe it's not the best movie, but you are interested um, in what the characters are saying. Also. Uh, why is the kid, you know, the ending with the screaming, why wouldn't the kid, the kid, like, he didn't like uh, the widow. He thought she was going to harm um, his brother. So her dying is when he releases all of this emotion. I don't necessarily see why the, why that event triggered him mm-hmm. so much. Well, I guess that does, she didn't. Maybe it's because she didn't die like a vampire's death. Because does does the father tell uh, Seth how vampires die? Is that talked about in the movie? I feel like it might be. Well, he makes the cross out of a slingshot, and so I don't know. Yeah, actually, how, oh, they, okay. yeah, how they die. But but that, that's I think it's just like for like protection. You know he talks I mean? about how they become a bat if they feel like it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> I don't think he says how to kill them, though. Not that I remember. Or, or, okay. yeah, or how they die, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a strange one. It's definitely a strange one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mad that I watched it. Oh, me neither. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did look nice. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's weird. You could definitely tell... Um, it's very, it's very similar in its look to Mike Lee films. I watched a lot of Mike Lee films. And I like them. Um, they feel, how do I say this? It's bad to say. I, it's not. It's more like a TV movie than like um, a super stylized cinematic. It doesn't feel like super cinematic. A lot of it. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the interior scenes feel more like a good TV movie would be. But that's just, I think it's just stylized. I don't have a problem with it. It's just, it just doesn't feel like, um, I don't know, like a, the way a Kubrick film or a, like how Tree of Life is filmed. Like just, just like, it's just a different way of shooting things um, that's very specific, just feels more. Just the way it's framed, it feels more like a TV movie for some reason to me. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. 
but I think that can really work. I really, I think uh, Mike Lee films are very emotionally powerful. And I think sometimes that way that people are shot in those films, um, it's just more human and it kind of like feels more real. Like it has that, it just draws you into, it makes it feel less like a movie and more like real people with real problems kind of thing. So uh, I do, I see where it can work. Here, I don't really have an opinion either way. I could just, I could just tell, like, based when you said that it was a Mike Lee cinematographer, like, it clicked right away because I can hmm. see the similarities. So, should we rate this uh, this weird fish fetus <laughs> situation? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm ready to rate this. Sir. Um, John, let's start with you. I'm gonna give it a three scaly green gray fins out of five <laughs> nice i'm also giving this a uh, a three and i am as always the generous one and i am going 3.5 max what is your stand pick of the week my stand pick of the week and it is available on a couple things uh, a couple platforms let me pull it up here it's one of her older films, so you know, take that for, for what it is. But it is 1962's Walk on the Wild Side. Um, it's got a young Jane Fonda. It's got Lawrence Harvey and Baxter. Uh, a little connection there to All About Eve. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Cappuccino and basically Barbara uh, Streisand is the owner of a bordello in 1930s New Orleans, and Barbara it's a Streisand. lot of fun. Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Streisand? Streisand. No, Barbara Stanwyck. I got Streisand on the mind. That's incredible. Maybe that's next week. Maybe our this year's picks. No, Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> I was looking at the licorice pizza Blu-ray, so maybe that's what it was earlier <laughs> that's today. That's definitely what it was. Okay. Um, Streisand? But, Stan Wick. No, Stan Wick. She is a, a lot of fun in this. Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the nights get late. Um, Never thought I'd see the day you made that. She'll be so disappointed. Um, <laughs> Barbara Streisand. No, Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah, so she's in this movie. Um, it's a lot of fun. It is on a couple of platforms, like I said. Um, if you have Plex, it's on there. And oh, okay. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, and Fubo as well. And you can also rent it for like a dollar or two. But that's my stand pick. And uh, John, you got a stream, uh, dream stream ready to go? I've got, I've got a dream stream ready to go. If you're uh, searching for a good thriller mystery uh, type thing, then you should watch Searching from 2018, directed by Anish Chaganti, I think. Uh, the synopsis is, after David Kim's 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a local investigation is open and a detective is assigned to the case. But 37 hours later and without a single lead, David decides to search the one place no one has looked yet, where all secrets are kept today, his daughter's laptop. I thought this movie was great. I didn't um, 
have any spoilers going in. I think it's really, it's just like a really exciting mystery thriller. It's like super well done. It's one of my favorite kinds of films, like a really well done thriller. Um, really captivating, lots of twists and turns, and uh, just really enjoyed it. It's on um, Tubi, and I gave it a full five out of five. I just love an effective mystery with like just satisfying believable to some extent twists so um keeps you guessing keeps you on your toes very interesting super enjoyable searching 18 wow five yeah i've never seen this uh searching i don't know this is maybe a film that um certain films really shine in the first watch and then if you watch it again they might you might be able to pick things that maybe don't jive as much but i like i love a thriller the first time watch it's like so satisfying because you don't know what's going to happen at all and you, you you don't look for ways to pick apart any potential twists because you don't know what the twists are going to be so yeah i'd be interested to see what if you guys neither of you have seen it i'd be interested to see if you both enjoyed it anywhere as much as i did nice yeah i'll have to check that out give me a, give me a bleak baby <laughs> <laughs> all right well this is a pretty bleak movie now i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say that i this is not an endorsement <laughs> I, I i i like the movie okay i gave it the same rating as the reflecting skin it's a three-star film this movie's called toys are not for children and i'm gonna say this movie's not for children either. <laughs> this is about a woman who... Well, I say woman. I, I don't know how old this character is. She's kind of a... Uh, not immature. Well, actually, in the Letterboxd uh, synopsis, she's described as emotionally stunted, a childlike woman. And she has... Well, actually, this... this uh, this uh, synopsis is doing me a lot of favors. Um, <laughs> so, she suffers from an un unhealthy fixation on her long absent father. And she has an obsession with all the toys he gave her as a little girl. And after she gets a job at a toy store, she decides to marry her. She, she marries her coworker. And when the marriage doesn't work out, she goes to New York and becomes a prostitute who specializes in servicing perverted old men who want to play daddy with her. Wow, that took a turn. Yes, and so she actually, well, the synopsis doesn't uh, provide, she, she meets a prostitute and her mom has told her that her father left their family because he like basically can't leave prostitutes alone. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. And so this girl meets a prostitute and says that she wants to become a prostitute. And, and, and in her mind, this is her way of having a chance to meet her, to like see her dad again. Mm. This is dark. Yes. Now, are either one of you going to watch this movie? Because <laughs> I kind of want to spoil it, but I also, I won't if you guys are going to watch it. I, I might watch it. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I can I can uh, I can hold my ears again. Well, this could be a good bit. Like you, Hunter spoils the movie for me, and John holds his holds his ears for ninety seconds. Because I'm willing to do it. I'll do it right now. I'm ready. You know, I, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. I am going to say this is the bleak of the week for a reason, and it's because it 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 really turns dark. I mean, I, I've I've seen a lot of movies and a lot of and I and I I enjoy you know these kind of cult you know movies that go to some dark places, but this is a. Um, it's a special brand of bleak. Mm, the best okay. kind. Yeah. So this is not necessarily a recommendation. Not everyone's going to enjoy this. It is streaming on the Arrow <laughs> channel. And yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's out there. It's not a I don't know. It's not a morning a Sunday morning watch. That's for sure. Mm. Mm. Not a first date watch. Oh no, it would be the last date. <laughs> first and last. First yeah. I think I'm trying to think of where I heard about it first. Actually, I think it was in the uh, the book um, House of Psychotic Women. It's written. Who wrote that? Now I'm going to say. Hold on, I'm going to have to look up her name. It's. Oh boy, I'm gonna say Kayla Janice. I don't really know how you pronounce her her first name, but she wrote this book, House of Psychotic Women, and she does a lot of special features. And she's written some some other books, and she actually just made a documentary about folk horror movies that I think it might be on Shutter, but it's like an epic in length documentary about folk horror movies. I mean, I think it's it's 194 minutes. Oh, wow. I mean, it gets great reviews. You know, it's played at a bunch of film festivals. It was originally just going to be, I think, just like a, a Blu-ray uh, special feature. And then it turned into this huge you know, project. But yeah, she's a pretty interesting historian. And that book, House of Psychotic Women, is, uh, is a pretty interesting read. I think I read about it in there. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's not for everybody, for, for sure. <laughs> and up next is a uh, preview for next week's show. Out from here, out from there, out to take you anywhere. Into iron, into stone, out from here, our way begun. You look like our mother did when she saw. Your eyes look the same.
the trailer for Juniper Tree is going to be a delight to listen to. Bjork and that wonderful voice. Yeah. Oh, Bjork. Bjork. John, you you uh, you ready with the uh, social media? Yes. Um, feel free to add us on Instagram. Our we are semi underscore cinematic on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash semi cinematic pod. On Twitter, it's um, twitter.com slash semi underscore cinematic. And on Letterboxd, we are semi cinematic, all one word. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We uh, hope everyone has a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye.